beginning in verse 25. This is what Holy Scripture says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God do take them, you could open them to Luke chapter 10, or you can follow along in the handout you were given. If you want to just sort of listen, I'm going to be quoting a number of different scriptures. If that would be, whichever way is easier for you to hear the Word of God is just fine. I don't know if you know all these names, but sometimes I have wondered what prompted Elizabeth Elliot to return to the tribal people who murdered her husband so that she could share the gospel with those people? Or what motivated Helen Rosevere to move back to the Congo to rebuild hospitals that she had already built once, only two years after she'd been brutally imprisoned and and violated, raped? What caused someone like Lady Jane Grey to forgive her executioner immediately before she was unjustly beheaded. And I would answer that at the heart of each of those responses is that little word, love. Love. The most important of all the Christian virtues is love. 
There's no question about this. Uh, Last week we saw that the call for all of us is to love God, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in part we do this as we ponder his love for us. This morning I would like us to think about loving one another and focus on two expectations of that command to love one another. And the first expectation is this, loving one another is mandatory, not optional. So Leviticus 19.18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. (laughs) That's the verse Jesus quotes in Matthew 22 in the similar account there when he's talking to that lawyer, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it, meaning it's right there in parallel with it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting Leviticus 19 verse 18. And this love of others takes priority in new covenant believers. As soon as Judas leaves that upper room, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if, if you have love for one another. The single greatest distinguishing characteristic of a Christian is that they love other Christians. That which makes you most like your Savior is your love for other Christians, your love for the church, your love for the people of God, your love for your fellow members. No wonder we are commanded to love one another. The reputation of Jesus is on the line all based on our love for one another. To these three texts, I could add a whole bunch more. Here's just a few. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul writing to the Christians there in Corinth, pursue love, love for one another. Colossians chapter three, writing again to the church in Colossae, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This isn't a Hallmark card. This is the apostle giving imperatives, commands. Peter said the same thing, writing again to the Christians, 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins, (laughs) which means that Peter's assumption is that there's going to be a lot of sins needing covering. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 17, love the brotherhood. Kids, I don't know if um, you know math. Do you know how to do math? Here's a little math for you. Tell me if I'm right. Five minus one equals zero, right? Five minus one equals zero. I'm gonna show you five minus one equals zero. Show you, look, at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You could turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I will show you five minus one equals zero. Five good things minus one essential thing equals nothing. First Corinthians 13 verse one. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Five remarkable spiritual virtues, angelic-like preaching, prophetic utterances, powerful faith, sacrificial generosity, voluntary martyrdom, without love is nothing. Five minus one equals zero if the one is love. That means, beloved, that love is foundational to all the other spiritual graces, It does you no good to give up your life for God if there is no love. Love is not something we can just tack on if we have a little time or we feel so inclined. Paul says here that every other spiritual thing we do is useless and forgotten without love. There's only one kind of debt a Christian should never pay. In Romans 13, 8, Paul says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Every Christian, every single Christian, without exception, regardless of circumstances, despite their difference of opinion, is required to love every other Christian. Love is mandatory. It is not optional. You must love others, particularly the members of the household of faith, all of the time. But friends, we are experts at finding love loopholes. (laughs) If you're sitting there right now and thinking, yeah, but stop. There there are no loopholes. God commands us to love one another. Different politics, different values, different opinions, these do not excuse us from the command to love one another. Loving one another is mandatory. It is not optional. That's the first big thing we need to see. The second is this. Loving one another is comprehensive, not partial. So now we're moving away from thinking about when we need to love to how we need to love. So we know that love is required all of the time, but what is the nature of that love that is required? And I want to show you two phrases that are routinely often used in your Bible when speaking about the need to love others. One phrase is this. Love others as I have loved you or as Christ loved us. That's, that's one. Love others as I have loved you. And the other is love others as you love yourself. Love others as I have loved you. Love others as you love yourself. Love others as I have loved you. We are being, in, in, our, in the how of our love, we're being held to the standard of Christ's love for us. Love others as you love yourself, we're being held to the standard of my love for me. 
Now, that may sound contradictory, but let me try and expand that or explain that a little bit. You could say that these two phrases cover the negative and, and positive ends of the love spectrum, like, like two principles of how to love all the time, what you must be willing to lose and what you must be willing to do if you're going to love one another. I will just say right off the bat, this is not easy. <laughs> so, if it's sort of negative and positive, if that's the right way to put it, negatively, you must be willing to lose everything. I go back to John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now, Jesus said this before he went to the cross, but he's, he's not limiting his example, his just as here. He's not limiting that to just the past three and a half years of his public ministry. Quite clearly, he has in mind what is about to come in just the next 24 hours, the cross. And we know that because even later in the same speech, when you go to John 15, he expands the same command a little further. In John 15, 12, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And so Jesus is saying here, I'm going to give up my life in order to love you. You must be willing to give up your life in order to love me. That's the lesson. That's the standard that, that we're to keep. We're to look at every other Christian in our church and say, I must be willing to lay down my life in order to love you. The Christian love ethic states I will die for you if that's what it takes to love you. That is why in our membership covenant we promise uh, the laying down of my life in service for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and my brothers and sisters. Little Hugh needs a kidney. When I heard from his family all the church members lining up to donate a kidney, all the others who weren't good matches but wanted to but couldn't. Oh, how my heart soared. All those who were so inclined to risk all in order to love another. That, my friends, is a snapshot of real love. Willing to risk everything in order to love another. According to this phrase, just as I have loved you, the essence of Christian love is giving. Giving to the point of personal extinction, great personal risk, the ultimate sacrifice. Amy Carmichael said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Again, this is, this is all over your New Testament in particular. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. Here's how to live your life. Copy God. Try to be like him. Copycat God. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. 
a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In other words, love your fellow church members like Jesus loved you. How did he love you? He gave up his own life for you, and you must be willing to give up your life for one another. So, the time of this command, all the time, you must always be loving one another. The how, part A, be willing to die. This is what I'm calling the sort of negative end of the spectrum, negative because it means giving up your life, what you must be willing to lose. What's the positive side then? What must you be willing to do? Positively, you must be willing to do anything. This is Matthew 22, verse 39. Jesus quotes and says, the second command is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love as yourself. Paul uses this in reference to husbands and wives. Love your wife as yourself. What does he mean by that? See, now the the love standard here is being compared to our self-love. And self-love might seem like the opposite of loving like Christ. Until you realize that this is describing the commitment level that we have to make to one another. How much do you love yourself? I would suggest that you love yourself infinitely. Even the person who tries to take his own life is in one sense expressing the level of his self-love and this pain that I no longer want to experience. Augustine wrote, man wishes to be happy even when he so lives as to make his happiness impossible. Do you doubt that you have self-love? How aware are you of every cut and bruise you ever get? How committed are you to your personal healing when you're sick? How much do you just think about yourself? Now, obviously, there is a thing, an an evil self-love. We're not talking about that, someone who's just only out for whatever benefits them all of the time. When Jesus makes this command, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, he's talking about the intensity level of your commitment to do good to others. You are intensely committed to doing good to yourself. You're going to put a Band-Aid on the wound. You're going to take a medicine to heal the body. You're intensely committed to, your, to yourself in that sense. Take that intensity and direct it toward everybody else. You should be just as committed to doing good to your neighbor as you are to doing good to you. That means I must be willing to do whatever it takes in order to love you. Now, you can read lots about this in John's first letter, 1 John. I will just quote one little section from his letter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. 
And so here you, you, you can hear both principles working in tandem. Be willing to lose everything. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, verse 16. Be willing to do anything, verse 18. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Truth here meaning uh, actions in line with what is righteous. Turn for a moment to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Be willing to lose everything. Be willing to do anything. I must be honest, that is an impossibly high standard. And that's the very thing that the first guy who listened to the story of the Good Samaritan seems to have missed. We often forget that the parable of the Good Samaritan was all tied up in the question of love. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He, the putting to the test lawyer, answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. This expert, the lawyer, he's an expert in Old Testament law, that's what this means. So this expert in Old Testament law is asking Jesus a great question, but he's asking it with horrible motives. He's trying to trick Jesus into saying something that will get Jesus condemned. In other words, this man is not acting or speaking out of love. So the very thing he's quoting to Jesus that summarizes the law, he's not currently doing. He's duplicitous. And that leads us to suppose that he didn't really mean, or at least he didn't fully understand his own answer to his own question. Kind of like the rich young ruler, what may I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you know, the commandments do this. And he says, oh yeah, I've done them all. I've kept these from my youth. Got it covered, Jesus. I got this. And Jesus answers, here in Luke 10, he answers this lawyer with something we may not catch just with a casual reading. He says, Jesus' answer here in verse 28, you have answered correctly, do this, and you will live. And what the lawyer would have heard in, in, that, in the language in which Jesus and he were conversing was, this, was a sense in that verb that means not just like do it now, but do it now and always without interruption. All of that kind of would have been carried into that and when he hears those words in a way that in the, the present, that we don't quite use the, the language the same way. So when Jesus says, do this, he's saying, yeah, do that consistently without exception all the time and you'll live. Which means that answer should have knocked that lawyer backwards onto the ground. But apparently it didn't because Jesus goes on to tell this very culturally offensive, in fact, borderline inappropriate story of a Samaritan of all people 
loving a Jew. Why does he tell this story? He tells this story because of what Jesus said or what the lawyer said after Jesus told him to love God and love his neighbor perfectly. What did the lawyer say after Jesus said, yeah, do this, do that consistently, perfectly? The lawyer answers, but he desires, this is verse 29, he desiring to justify himself. When are you trying to justify yourself? You're trying to excuse yourself from the demands of the law. You're trying to make yourself righteous in your own eyes. You're trying to find a, a loophole. He, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? <laughs> you know the story of the Good Samaritan. We've read it earlier. <laughs> We're supposed to be like the Good Samaritan, right? Is that the point of the story? The story that, that Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan is simply illustrating what the lawyer had just quoted. Love God and love your neighbor perfectly, without exception, be willing to do anything, be willing to lose everything. That's the standard. And of course, all of us, all of us fail to keep that standard. When, when we listen to the story of the Good Samaritan, we're supposed to identify with the lawyer, not the Good Samaritan. Only Jesus fits the bill of the Good Samaritan, and that's what drives us back to the good news of the Christ who loved us perfectly. He was willing to lose everything. He was willing to do anything in order to love us. He took our sins. He died in our place. He gives us eternal life, and that, my friends, is remarkable love. And he calls on all people everywhere to repent and to believe and trust on him because all people everywhere have broken both of these commands. We have not loved God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength without exception. We have not loved one another in, in ways of being willing to do anything and lose everything all the time. We have failed at the two primary commands, the commands that sum up all the law. We have failed at these things. And that brings us under the just punishment and wrath of God. Praise be to God, there is a Savior named Jesus who did love his people. And you can believe on him and you will find pardon for all of your sins. And you will find eternal life because of what Christ has done, because of the ways in which Jesus has loved you. If you already belong to Jesus, he looks at you today and he says, just as I have loved you, you also love one another. Helen Rosevere, Elizabeth Elliot, Lady Jane Grey, they loved much because they were forgiven much. May the same be true for you. Let's pray together. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ who has loved us so perfectly and so well. He's the good Samaritan in our story. 
who comes and rescues us from sin and death. Oh Lord, please, in your great mercy, help us to look to Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to depend upon Jesus, and to find life. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.